there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. We're going to talk about the X factor today. As you know, X is the algebraic symbol for the unknown. And the X factor plays a huge role in life. And if it plays a huge role in life, then it plays a huge role in our work. And if it plays a huge role in our work, then the work must talk about it, and the work must know about it, and the work must somehow <coughs> give us some light about this, or else we're lost. We've got to have light from somewhere. We're not going to be able to rub two sticks together in ourselves and make light. Not about this. We have to have someone who has already made it out, has to send us instructions on how they got out and how we can get out. What's the way out? We don't like that much, but it's true. So this work has nothing to do with where you live. It doesn't have anything to do with your geography, your location on the planet. It's not about that. It doesn't have anything to do with what you eat, not in an outer way, whether you eat potatoes or whether you eat sweet potatoes or whether you eat corn or whether you eat fruit, whatever. It's not about that. This is a strange thing because it's, it's funny in the fourth way how many people think it is about this. It's not about how much money you make. You know, I, I can't tell you how many people I hear from and they say, well, they went to a fourth way group, but it was a bunch of rich people. They just sat around being rich, you know, or whatever. And I just kind of laughed, you know, and, and it's like, no, it's, it's not about how much money you make. It's about the kind of person you are. That's what this work is about. It's about the kind of person you are because that's what attracts your life. The kind of person you are is what attracts your life. You don't believe this. You do not believe this. And intellectually, you acquiesce to it. You accept it intellectually. But in your believer, in your heart, you don't believe this. You don't operate out of this. You don't naturally operate from the kind of person I am is what attracts my life. You operate from life is opposing me. Life is the opposing force. That's how you operate in life. Life is the opposing force. If you won the lottery today, what's it up to these days? Does anybody have a clue? Nobody here has a clue. I'm 15 million. Okay, if you won the lottery today, and let's say you won $15 million, you may think you'd be different because you'd have the means to do all of the things you think you want to do. Who plays the lottery and doesn't think that it's going to change their life? I mean, come on. Who buys a lottery ticket thinking if they won, it wouldn't change their life? Now, that's why they play it. That's right. And why don't you play it? Do you play it because you don't think it would change your life? Tell the truth. No, you play it because you don't think you can win. That's why you play it. That's why you don't play it. You don't play the lottery because you don't think the odds are good and you, you don't think you can win. It's not because you think your being won't attract that. It's not that. It's not because you think the kind of person you are won't attract a winning lottery ticket. That's not what you think. You think that you can't win. Of course we play other lotteries. Life is a lottery for us because we don't know anything. But the truth is, if you did win that $15 million, your life wouldn't be any different. That's a big mistake to think that. Your life would remain mostly the same except for the parts that got decidedly worse. What parts would get decidedly worse? Oh, it's just the heat is turned up in all the bad parts. So you think you're a generous person and now you have $15 million and generosity has moved to a whole different level. Then the people asking now are not asking for nickels and dimes. They're asking for hundreds of thousands. They're asking for millions even. Now they come out of the woodwork. And your generosity, well, that's tested in a whole new way, in a whole new fire. And you think that you're kind and you think you're this and, and you think if you had this money, well, then things wouldn't bother you. People would treat you differently and they will treat you differently. And unfortunately, you will still be the same person you are. 
And when people treat you differently, you will know that you're the same person you are and you will despise them for treating you differently because you'll know they're kissing up to you and sucking up to you for your money. And you'll be even more unhappy than you were before you had that $15 million. But you don't believe that. You'd need the $15 million to convince yourself of that. Good luck with that. <laughs> Why? The kind of person you are would be the same. You take everything the same way as you always did. How much money you have in your pocket now doesn't change how you take life. You think that it does. You think that it will, but it doesn't. Not in truth, not in reality. I don't know how much money I have. Actually, I do know how much money I have in my pocket right now. Nothing. I have no money in my pocket. I have no money with me today. So all kinds of terrible things could happen, and I would have no money to do anything about it. What would I do? Well, I would be me. I would, in the moment, be me. This is what Connie and I were talking about. I'm going to get this out yet. Connie and I were talking about, how can you figure out that? Why? Why is it that no organization I've ever been a part of ever could keep me in it, ever wants me in it? It's like, they all just go, oh, no thanks. Why is that? And that's not the way it is for other people. Other people can do that. You know, other people can join the Rotary Club. Other people can join the church. Other people can do this and do that. And they're just fine in it. Why is it that I can't? I don't know. All I know is it's too hard to figure out. And so my retreat is to live in the moment. I just don't think about the past. And if I don't think about the past and I don't think about the future, but if I just live in this moment, then it's all fine. And so I become addicted to the moment. I become addicted to now because anything on either side of now is painful. It's just a conundrum that, that my mind just can't do anything about. It doesn't know how to solve that problem. It doesn't know how to solve the problem on this side of now or on that side of now. One being the future, the other one being the past. It doesn't know how to do, deal with it. It truly does not know how. Now, I don't know what it thinks, but I have, I have noticed that it, my mind, the mind, does not know how to solve those problems. And so I have given up on the mind. The only place the mind is of any value, any use to me, is in the now. And then the only reason it's any use to me in the now is because I don't pay any attention to it. I just let it be in the now. And as long as it's in the now and it doesn't move to the left or to the right of the now, it's fine. It's a perfect servant. It does its job brilliantly, effortlessly, mindlessly. Truly, mindlessly. It is true mindlessness. You know, the Zen people say, be mindful. I say, be mindless. Just be an idiot. It's better to be an idiot in the now than it is to be a genius in the past or the future. That's what I think. Or that's what I've noticed. It's not even that I think that. It's that that's what I've noticed. Here is where the work starts. If the kind of person you are stays the same, you'll always take everything the way you always have. This is where the work starts. It tells us this in the very beginning. Look, the only way for anything to change for you, the only way for anything to ever change for you is if you change the way you think. It's called metanoia, changing the way you think. This is the Greek word, metanoia, change the way you think. And what that means is you've got to think like a different person, not the person that you think like now. Every type of person thinks in a certain type of way. The kind of person you are is because of how you think. When you change the way you think, the kind of person you are changes. When the kind of person you are changes, your being changes. When your being changes, you attract different things. Does that mean that different things happen to you in life? Yes, it means that. Does it mean the same things happen in life? Yes, it means that. But what it means also is that not only do you start to attract different things, you also react or respond to the things that you attract in a different way. So it's twofold. It's not just one. It's twofold. It's you actually literally attract different things, different people, different events. 
and the same events you respond to in a different way. Curtis' example this morning was a good example. He got identified and angry, and then he said he realized he was identified and angry. So he first realized he was angry. So he felt the anger, and then he realized that he was identified. This is probably how it went. He hasn't said this, but this is how it went. Because this is how it works. So first he felt the anger, then he intellectually caught up with it. So what did he say? The emotional center is 30,000 times faster than the intellectual center. The instinctive moving center is 30,000 times faster than the emotional center, which makes it a lot faster than the intellectual center. So first he had the sensations that he has that he associates with anger. Then he had the feeling of anger. Then he realized that he was angry. And then he realized, he brought the work up, and he said, well, then I'm identified with that anger, and the only thing for me to do now is get that anger away from me. In other words, stop identifying with that anger. Stop being angry. Well, how could he do that? Well, he had to stop being that I. He had to give up that I. He had been calling that I me. That's I. That's I, he was saying. I feel this. I feel that. You are doing this to me. You are saying you're making me feel bad. You're making me look bad. He had to give that up, which is a huge thing to do. Huge effort for us. Because we're so invested in that feeling of I. But he chose to separate himself from it. Now, he didn't get himself separated from it. He said he was. But you could still see all the residuals in his body. You could still see his face. You could still see his lips disappear. You could still see that his face was red and that he was tight. You could still see all that stuff. And it's very different than he is now. His whole gestalt is totally different than it was when he was trying not to identify with his anger. So he finally did get off it. But he didn't get off it when he said he was off it. We never do. It just doesn't go that easily for us. But it does go if we continue to work. And so this is where the work starts with us. People think if only their external circumstances changed, they'd be different. The kind of person you are attracts the same insoluble problems over and over and over again. You're going to have problems with work for the rest of your life, as long as you are that person. As long as you are that person that you are today, you're going to have these problems. Same with all of us. You're going to have problems with women as long as you're that person that you are today. You're going to have problems with work as long as you are that person you are today. You're going to have problems with people as long as you are that person you are today. You're going to have problems with business and the government as long as you are that person you are today. You're going to have problems with computers and mechanics, machines, and things like that as long as you are that person that you are today. You're going to have problems with authority figures as long as you are that person that you are today. I'm not going to hit on anybody else because I already have nailed enough of you and I can see the blood splattering on the wall, so... (laughs) And you know, it's like, I'm not here to, I'm not here to annoy you. I, ju- I just want to give you an example of what you're like, because it's valuable to, to be able to see what you're like. It's very valuable. These are things we need to see. We need to see our chief features. We need to see ourselves the way other people see us. We really do need to externally consider, and to externally consider doesn't mean we're doing something for someone else. You're not doing anything for anyone else. You're doing it for yourself. You are putting yourself in their shoes so that you can see you the way they see you. Well, yes, it's going to have an effect on how you see them and how you respond to them. Of course it will have an effect. But mostly, the most important part is you get to see a whole new facet of yourself that you didn't get to see. It's like, why is it that I grow so fast? Well, I tell you why. Because I'm under a lot of pressure. Where does the purest gold get refined? In the hottest fire. Where do diamonds come from? They come from tremendous pressure. Where do precious stones come from? They come from tremendous pressure over a long period of time. I have lots of people judging me. You know, I put out a podcast. Everybody who listens to it, everybody who hears it, even the people who look at it and say, James World, oh God, this guy, get over yourself, will you? What do you mean, James World? Come on. Are there any people you know like that besides yourself, Curtis? 
Oh, yeah, there are. So you do know other people. Of course you do. The kind of people you hang out with are going to be like that. The kind of people you're with are going to be like that. Why is that? Because that's the way you are. So you're going to have those kinds of people around you. And when you start to change, you're going to find that those people don't want to be around you anymore. They just kind of fall away. They go, oh, what's wrong with you, man? You've changed. I don't like you anymore. Or you don't like me anymore. Whatever. However they put it, it doesn't really matter. But what will happen is as you begin to change, they'll begin to go, eh, they don't really want to have anything to do with you or not so much to do with you. It happens. It's a terrible thing. And a lot of people go back at that point. No, I don't want to lose my friends. No, I don't want to lose my family. No, I don't want to lose this. No, I don't want to lose that. So they return to their vomit like a dog. They just go back and lick it up. I know it sounds gross, but I have a dog. <laughs> so you learn to live with it. You know, it's like, yeah, that's what they do. And you stop trying to make them do something else. Only if you change yourself can your life possibly change. This is so hard to get. It's easy to hear it. It's easy to intellectually go, yes, of course, I know that. Only if I change myself can my life possibly change. Of course, I know that. But I've changed myself and life hasn't changed. So that must not be true. Well, what about this? What about you just imagine that you changed yourself? You haven't really changed yourself at all. Oh, no, that's not the way it is. I really have changed. It's just that this is a lie. I really have changed. It's everything else that's a lie. I know the truth, but everything else is a lie. The conscious circle of humanity doesn't know what they've said is not true in my case. Because I have changed myself and my life hasn't changed. What if you're wrong? No, I'm not wrong. I'm sure of it. But what if you are? But there is no what if here. Because I know. Because I have changed. I can show you how I've changed. Other people agree that I've changed. So now your story is true. Now you have evidence. You have other people who are now also saying, yes, you've changed. But they agree your life hasn't changed. Okay, then the truth isn't the truth now. Now you are the new standard for the truth. Now you and your friends, you and your co-conspirators, you and your agreeers are now the new standard of truth. Wow, good job. You have just locked yourself in prison. You've just locked yourself in a prison where you cannot get out because you've changed and nothing happens. So then this isn't true. And if this isn't true, what else have you got? <laughs> nothing. You've got nothing. And that's why you're here, because you've got nothing. You're here because in your life you have nothing. This is the hardest thing to face. This is the hardest thing for us to face. My life is meaningless. Without something higher, my life is meaningless. Without new meaning, my life is absolutely worthless, meaningless. Oh, yeah, I've got kids, and I've got a wife, and I've got a husband, and I've got a house, and I've got a job, and I've got this, and I've got a car, and I've got all this stuff, but it's meaningless. And the more stuff I acquire, the worse it is because it shows me the more meaningless it is. But I can't stop acquiring stuff. Right. Because you haven't changed. All you're doing is beginning to see what kind of person you are. You cannot change yourself. You can only see what kind of person you are. If you do this work on yourself, you're changing your level of being. Then your external life must change. When your level of being changes, your external life must change. What does that mean? Does it mean you get a new address, a new house, a different car, a new wife, a different husband? You get different kids, nice kids? Yeah, it means all of that. And it means none of that. It means, yeah, that may happen. And it means if nothing changes, everything will still be the same. Except that if you change, nothing will ever be the same. Now, I know that this sounds like double talk to some people. Some people will, will just hear this as double talk. And if you can hear it, great. Good for you. Close your eyes, Kurt. You'll be able to hear me better. He's fighting to stay awake. I love it. Uh, he needs little toothpicks for his eyes. Did I tell you it was a tough morning this morning? Sleep is really in the air. Very sleepy kind of morning. I don't know whether it's planetary influences or what, or whether it's just holiday weekend. Yeah, that's planetary influences. If you did win the lottery, you'd still be just as suspicious as you were before. Only now you'd be more suspicious because you'd have more to be suspicious about. 
does this person really want to be my friend or they just want my money? You see what I mean? Now, you're already suspicious about that, but you don't have enough money for really that many people, you know? It's like, you're not going to get a lot of friends with the money you have, you know? I mean, they're not going to be too tight anyway, you know? So that's not going to happen. I mean, you know, how many times are you going to buy dinner? How many times are you going to drop two, three hundred bucks on dinner for your friends? And, you know, and then they, like, don't call you or they don't please you. Well, that's not going to happen very often. If you get to 15 million now, so what, you can afford bigger dinners? You can afford to drop a couple thousand on dinner and then have them not care about you? Well, you know, then it's even worse, you see. You're going to be even more suspicious. It's amped up. So you're still going to be suspicious. Now you'll have more about which to be suspicious. You'll still be just as negative because suspicion is negativity. You'll still be just as upsettable. How upsettable are you now? Well, trust me, you're like a seismograph. Is that what the thing that does the, the earthquakes, the seismograph? So it can like a little tremble over in Chile and then the seismograph picks it up. It goes, doo, 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 right? You're like a seismograph. You're that upsettable. You don't think so. But ask anybody in your life. Ask anybody in your life. Well, of course. Why if. <laughs> and you know what? And if you, have, and if you happen to be with somebody who sues for peace, if you happen to be with somebody who their comfort, their peace is more important than the truth, then of course they're not going to answer you directly. But you'll still know the answer. You'll still know the answer if you ask the question. Just the way they look, just the feeling, just their eyes will tell you the truth. If you want to see it. If you don't want to see it, you'll just get upset because you're upsettable. And you'll prove that I'm right that way. I don't care how you prove I'm right. You will prove that I'm right. Why? Because this is the truth and I'm not right at all. It has nothing to do with me. See, and that's the problem why people get annoyed with me. It's like, you think this is me. It's not me. All I'm saying is what's true. Well, how do I know it's true? It's written everywhere, for God's sake. All you have to do is look. Just look at it. It's as plain as the nose on your face. It's as plain as my hand in front of my face. It's just plain. It's the plain truth. It is the way it is. You are upsettable. You are negative. You are suspicious. This is the truth about you. This is the truth about me. This is the truth about us. People on this planet are like this. Why? We're asleep. We're machines. We're not awake. We're not properly conscious. We live in imagination. This is the truth. This is why the world looks like it does. This is why people are killing each other. This is why all these things are going on. This is why you have to lock your doors and lock your cars and have car alarms and there's this and there's that because people are asleep mechanical not one negative and negative means violent and violent means might makes right take what you want law of the jungle and you need laws to keep people from doing that i was talking to somebody in australia and they were talking about the aboriginal people the natural people, you know, people who live the way we were supposed to live. This is the romantic story. And I try to be kind to her because she really is hooked into this. She really has romanticized this tribal life. Don't get me wrong, there are a lot of good things to it. You know, we used to live a much more tribal life. This group, we used to live a much more communal tribal life. And it was much richer and much better. But you couldn't do it because you grew beyond that. You wanted too many other things in the world. You wanted this and you wanted that. And so those things became more important than the simple life. And you gave up the simple life for those things. You gave up all the time you had to spend to homeschool your children so that you could have some free time to do what you wanted to do which means you didn't want to homeschool your children anymore. That's what it really meant. It meant that you had reached the end of yourself. And when you had reached the end of yourself, you didn't dig down any deeper to find that there was more to yourself. Instead, what you did was you gave up. Now, this is not criticism. This is simply an observation. If you have not observed this yet, then it could be taken as criticism to, <laughs> to you. But if you have observed it, if you've had the courage to look at yourself and say, yeah, that's true, I, it was selfishness. If you see that, then you can just accept it and say, okay, well, that's that. If not, well, then just be annoyed at me. That's okay. Enjoy your negative emotions and write me a check. I think if you're going to enjoy negative emotions, I should have a negative emotion check. 
He's given me NATO motions that I could really savor and enjoy. This is like a fine meal. I should at least pay for dinner. So just write me a check. You don't even have to write it to me. Write it to Solid Rock. I don't care about your money at all. But you should pay. If you get to enjoy something, you should pay, don't you think? Yeah, so if you're having negative emotions, pay up. Just like if you went to a ball game. You'd want to pay, you'd have an admission price. You want a hot dog, you want a soda, you want a beer, whatever it is. You have to pay the guy, right? You want peanuts, whatever it is, pay the guy. Well, you know, you want your negative emotions, you want to savor them, you should pay the guy who offers you the negative emotions, you know. I think it's only fair. <laughs> I'm just kidding, of course. Not. And I am. This is a huge problem. If we don't change the kind of person we are, we're still going to be just as argumentative and objectionable as we were before we had the 15 million. In fact, now that you've got the 15 million, imagine how objectionable and argumentative you could be now. Imagine how many people you could lord it over just because they'll be nice to you because you have $15 million. So you'd be even worse because you yourself would not have changed. Because we don't know ourselves, we don't know what kind of people we are. Thus, we begin with self-observation in this work. To begin to see we're not the sweet little boys and girls that we thought we were. See, you have in your mind the sweet little girl, the sweet little boy, this good girl. I, I'm a good girl. Well, I'm a good boy. You have that in your mind. That's who you think you are. That's what you have gone through life with. And it's like, isn't it awful that people treat you such a good girl the way they treat you? No wonder you have so many accounts. How dare they? Just taking advantage of such a good little girl, taking advantage of such a good little boy. That's just not right, is it? You should have accounts. And you know what? Anyone who's good like you, they know it and they agree with you. And so you've got your friends. You've got your good little girl church or your good little boy church or your good little girl group or your good little boy group. And who are they? Well, they're a bunch of good little girls and good little boys who agree with you that life is cruel and people are unjust and they treat you unfairly. Wah, wah, wah. Most of humanity is very sure they know themselves quite well, never believing that what happens to them has anything to do with the kind of people they are. Look, I can go anywhere in the world and I promise you that this will float. <laughs> I can put this out there anywhere in the world and I promise you it will float. People do think that what happens to them in life has nothing to do with the kind of people they are. They just are appalled at the idea. It will float. It does hold water. From where else could the idea of injustice come? Now think of the idea of injustice. That's not fair. Where could that come from if you didn't think that the kind of person you are didn't attract your life? See, if you thought the kind of person you are attracted your life, you could never say anything about injustice. <laughs> you wouldn't even know the word unless you'd heard it from someone else and you'd go, what do you mean? They'd go, well, you know, that's just not fair. What do you mean it's not fair? You attracted it. Why would you say that? I'm nice to you. Why would you say something like that to me? Why would you say such a horrible thing? You're saying that I deserve that. Yes. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Well, that's just cruel, isn't it? That's just socially unacceptable. You don't tell people they deserve that. Well, you have cancer. You deserve that. What? What kind of a monster are you? Well, what I'm saying is your being attracts your life. That's what I'm saying. The kind of person you are is what attracts your life. That your sicknesses are about the kind of person you are. Did you miss this a while back about how you make yourself sick with your negative emotions? That the kind of people we are determine the kind of diseases we have? This is the truth about us. We don't like this. We don't talk about this. Even in the work, we don't talk about it much. Why? Because we have sick people. <laughs> we have sick people. And they go around thinking, oh, well, that person's got that, so that's the kind of person they are. So we use it to judge other people. And that's not what it's for. It's for judging yourself. We don't judge ourselves. Injustice doesn't come from outside. It's not external to us. We are unjust, and so we soak in it without knowing it. You're floating around in a bowl of injustice. Why? Because you are unjust. That's why. We just don't know it. The X factor is the unknown thing that we leave out of life, the thing we take for granted so regularly that it is the X factor in the formula of life that makes it insoluble. See, we keep trying to solve life. 
And that's not the approach that this work takes. The approach says, don't worry about solving life. Solve for X. Try to find the unknown factor. That is your job. The unknown factor, the X factor. That's what you need to be up to. The X factor is that which is beyond us, taking ourselves as good, well-meaning people who never think anything is our fault. Oh, the injustice of it all. It's just not my fault. What did I do to deserve this? How can people treat other people so callously? How can people be so unconscious? How come that guy just pulled over in front of me and didn't put his blinker on or anything? Well, blah, 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 blah. We go on and on and on all day, every day. Injustice is the background hum of our life. It's the music of our life. It's the elevator music. It's the store music. It's the mall music of our life. It's just constantly playing. We don't even notice it anymore. We hear a crescendo every once in a while, and we feel the injustice of it all, the indignity of it all. <gasps> we get in a huff or we get angry. But it is the context of our lives. It's the fabric of our lives. This is the very thing this work attacks through self-observation. You are not the sweet, simple, kind, just man or woman that you think you are. That is imaginary I. That person that you think you are, that whole thing is imaginary I. That whole dragon covering all those different eyes, that's imaginary eye. That's just a covering over what you are not. That's all that is. You must attack yourself, not others. But what do people do when they get this work? They attack others, not themselves. This is what this work teaches us, and this is the path to discovering the X factor. Self-observation will give you a new feeling of yourself. Your sense of yourself, your feeling of I, will go into something else, something that it's not in now. What else? I don't know. Something else something that it's not in now. It's just like when Curtis' feeling of I went into anger. It's now out of anger. This work gave him a way out of that feeling of I, out of the feeling of anger, out of the feeling of they're doing it to me, out of the feeling of they're putting me down, out of the feeling of they're laughing me to scorn. It gave him a way out. It gave him a new feeling of I. Which feeling of I do you like better? Yeah, this one. You'll eventually see you are not the sweet little boy so badly treated by the world and by people. That's what you have to see. Now, Look at where you are, and it'll give you an idea of how far you have to go. That's where you need to be, so that you would not think, oh, well, I'm just this sweet guy, and people are in the world are treating me so badly. How come people do that? It's over. When you start to observe yourself and see what you're really like, see what kind of person you are, it's over. Because then you start to see what everyone else is like, and you realize they can't do anything other than what they do. There's no way they can treat you any differently. There's no way. That has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with the kind of person you are. That has nothing to do with the kind of person you are. The only thing that changes when you find out the kind of person you are is you stop taking everything so seriously about what machines do. Like, so? That's what machines do. What's that got to do with anything? What does that have to do with me? Nothing. I still have my meaning. I still have my purpose. I still have my impressions. I still have what I have. I still have my work to do. doesn't matter what they do. When your feeling of yourself begins to change, your level of being begins the process of transformation. You'll gradually find many things that used to make you furious no longer have the power over you that they once had. Bitterness and depression will seem like something someone else used to feel. You actually get in a situation and you go, I've heard Steve talk about this. Whoa. He'll go, well, this guy did this or this, this has happened. And he said, I couldn't believe it. I wasn't angry. I just didn't have that reaction. It just wasn't there. It just was not there. And that is when your feeling of I begins to shift and go into something else. It's like, wait, I didn't react that way, the way I always reacted. You're starting to change the kind of person you are. Your level of being is starting to change. Now, it doesn't all happen at once. In fact, it happens slowly, sometimes painfully slowly, but it does happen. 
So bitterness, depression, seems like someone else used to feel that. Yeah, they used to be. You, you, you can't even imagine yourself being that way anymore. Like you can't imagine your... I used to get angry over that. It's so funny. I go into the kitchen sometimes and something's not where I wanted it to be. And I used to go, man, man, why won't she ever put anything back? Because I only live with one other person. Why won't she ever put anything back? And then slowly, as I began to look at that, I mean, I began to see that it wasn't her leaving things where they weren't supposed to be. It was me because I actually caught myself doing it. I actually started to observe myself and I caught myself doing it. <laughs> and so now what happened with the first thing that happened was I would catch myself going, well, shit. And then I would say, wait a second, maybe you did it. That was all. Just introduce that doubt. Wait a second, maybe it was you. And then I all of a sudden lighten up. Now I think I remember having to do that. I remember having to observe that. I remember having to make that effort. But I don't make that effort anymore. It just doesn't happen. I go into the kitchen and things are where they are or they aren't where they aren't. If they aren't where I thought they were supposed to be. I keep looking. That's all. I don't think anything else. I just keep looking until I find it. And if I can't find it, then I say, Connie, do you have any idea where blah, 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 blah? And she'll say, well, yes or no. And then that's that. And it's like, wow, that's so different. But I remember that some person used to do that. I remember those thoughts and feelings, but I can't feel them. That's what I mean. That's what happens. You begin to feel like someone else used to feel like that. Someone else used to think that. And the truth is, it is someone else because your feeling of yourself will be in a different place and life will no longer make you feel and do what you once felt and did. Now life will make you feel and do what you feel and do now. And eventually, your feeling of I will go to a place where life can't make you feel and do anything. It's all your choice. Right now, it's not that way for us. You may lead the same life externally, but will all begin to be transformed inside of you. The secret is not to try to change external circumstances. It wastes the force you need to change yourself and the way you take life's repeating events. This was what I was talking about with the, this person in Australia is that tribal society. You know, if we all lived in a tribal society, then life would be wonderful. And then she also mentioned that the tribal societies were very hard on people who took more than their share. And of course, I said, well, if they were so wonderful, then why was there someone taking more than their share? And why did they need a law against it? You see, if everybody was living so wonderfully, happily, naturally, and it was also harmonious, then why did they need laws? You don't need laws in a society of conscious people. People who are awake don't need laws. They are their own law. The law is written in their heart, and they live according to what is in their heart. That's the truth. I don't know whether you can recognize it or not, but that is the truth. The people who need laws are the machines. The machines need laws. We are machines, and we need laws, because we can be counted on to not do the right thing. We know better, but we act worse. Why? Because we're machines. We're not properly conscious. That's why. You'll get angry, bitter, upset, resentful, the same as always to every life event as it comes round again because you're the same machine you were. The only thing that works consistently is to change the machine that is you. If you want something to change, you must change the machine that is you. You must change it. The problem is we don't think we're machines. <laughs> wait, wait, I'm not a machine. Look, this is a machine. This is a machine. I'm not a machine. Can you see I'm not a machine? I'm flesh and blood. I'm not a machine. We have it all wrong. We're taking it literally. You are a machine, literally. You're a biomechanism. You are a machine. Science tells you you're a machine. Everything in life tells you you're a machine. You don't like it. You have some idea of yourself, some imaginary eye, telling you something else that opposes all the evidence, rejects all the evidence. After a year or two of proper self-observation, Maurice Nicole said, you will begin to see what kind of person you are. It's our reaction to the recurring events that life is that makes us machines. It's just too simple. What makes us machines is the fact that we're reacting to the recurring events of life in the same way over and over again. As we begin to realize we're machines, some of the imagination of ourselves begins to dissolve. 
just like soaking something in water. Some of the dirt just begins to be lifted out, and you don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything at all. Just putting it in there just does it. And some stains come out that way. Just soak them in cold water and they come out. You can see them actually just come up out of the fabric. They just lift up out of the fabric and float away. This machinery becomes more and more evident as we begin to observe ourselves. It becomes more and more evident to us. That's who it needs to become evident to. Your machinery is evident to me. That's no good for you. Your machinery has to become evident to you. Gradually, we see the machinery is not our real selves, and we don't have to react to external events of life. You've begun to taste yourself already, each of you, and you've begun to realize your mechanical reactions are not you. Curtis gave us a perfect example. He saw his mechanical reaction of anger. He actually stated it. This is what it said. This is what it thought. This is what it felt. This is what it heard. I know that you did not say that, but it heard this, and it reacted. And so it's just over there doing that. He, he just pushed it away. What I'm saying is, no, don't push it away. Pull it close. Pull it close and look right into its eyes. Smell its breath. Feel it. Look at it and say, that's not I. Pull it close. Don't be afraid of it. Pull it close. Look at it. Say, that's not I. You don't have to be afraid of it. See, people push these things away. Don't push them away. Pull them close. There's no fear. If it's not you, it's not you. If it is you, then you have something to fear. This is the beginning of an increase in consciousness. Without this realization, you live and die as a machine, or like Gurdjieff said, as a dog. You die like a dog. You pretty much live like a dog, too, and you die like a dog. But you've got to have this increase in consciousness. That's the only thing that changes it. What hinders us is the X factor. The unknown is the kind of person you are. The X is the kind of person you are. The algebraic symbol for the unknown represents you, the kind of person that you are, what is hidden from you, what you do not understand, what other people know about you, but what you do not know about you, what other people have said about you, but it has offended your self-love and sent it out crying, where, 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 did you hear what they said about me? <laughs> Boo-hoo, it's just awful. How dare they? I've changed. I really have. I'm so different than I used to be. Don't they see the good boy that I am? Don't they see the good girl that I am? No, they see what's there. You're the only one who sees the imaginary eye. They're busy seeing their own imaginary eye about themselves. They don't have any extra imagination for you. All their imagination is spent on them. They're drinking it all themselves. They don't have enough left over for your shots. You know, this is not tequila shooters of imagination. You don't get some. They're drinking all their own to stay in their own imaginary drunken stupor. No, you have to come out of your own drunken stupor. You have to come out of your own imaginary eye. You have to see the kind of person you are. You have to solve for X. You and only you can do that. You start with self-observation, and this work has given you all the tools to do it, and it's a matter of doing it. What hinders us is this X factor. You won't work the equation to find the X factor if you think you know what kind of a person you are now. And you do think you know what kind of a person you are now. You must introduce some doubt into this. And that's what the work is for, to introduce some doubt into this. The work gives us specific things to observe about ourselves to find out what kind of persons we are. It's not for the faint of heart. This is not for sissies. Looking at yourself and the kind of person you are is not for sissies. It's not for weak-hearted people. It's not for people who faint at the sight of blood. Because you will see a lot of blood, 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 blood. Violence, violence, violence. Things you say are not there. You will see that they are there. And if you're faint, you will draw back. You will start to lose consciousness. You must observe yourself at different ages. So it takes time. You've got to see what you were like when you were 12, like what you were like when you were 20, what you were like when you were 30, what you were like when you were 40, what you were like when you were 50. If you haven't reached those things yet, you've still got time. Eventually, we stop blaming life and other people, and later, we develop a profound wish to be another person. I have this profound wish to be another person. Who do I wish to be? I wish to be the new man. That's who I wish to be. Well, who is that? I don't know, but I wish to find out. 
because I'm tired of this person. He's wearying. Our imagination about ourselves makes it difficult for a long time to really understand what this work is about. When you hear of work Nazis who use hard methods, you see how we have missed the mark. You hear about people screaming and yelling and saying, oh, you can't do this and you're not allowed to talk and that's a stupid question and shut up and blah. You hear about the work Nazis who do that. It's like, you know, somebody missed the mark there. This work is very kind and gentle and loving. I don't find it hard at all. I find what's hard is our resistance to it. I find what is really hard about this is that it shows us things that we don't want to see. It shows us things that go against our pictures and our imaginary eye. But when you love the truth more than you love imagination, you will love this work and embrace it and value it more than you value life itself. That's how it is. I promise you that's how it is. This work does not force you to do anything. It invites you. It invites us to see ourselves in a new light, in the light of consciousness. The hard part is seeing what we are, seeing that we're the criminals. Yeah, we're the criminals in life. It's not those people out there. It's us. We're the criminals creating most of our own problems in life. If you've got life problems, you created most of them. Oh, yeah, there are a few that come with everything. And this is a pain factory. There are a few that come to everybody. But mostly, we do it ourselves. Mostly, it's our fault. If you're negative, it's nobody's fault but your own, ever. Don't waste time trying to solve life's problems. Don't even bother. Forget about it. Instead, solve for X, the unknown. Find what kind of a person you are. Use that in the equation. And life just goes away as a problem. And what you have instead is a teacher. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or a person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.